Welcome to the So She Go podcast. Everyone, whether a mum, dad, bride or groom, you deserve to throw an event you can sit back and be proud of. Therefore, we will be providing you tips and what's trending straight from the horse's mouth. Our reputable Australian So She Go suppliers, here to help you execute the party or wedding you've been dreaming of. If you're a goal crusher in the events industry, looking for business tips and tricks from other industry leaders, you are in the right place. So Should Go For Business is the podcast for you. On So Should Go For Business, we are all about authentic, honest conversation, business talk, gauging advice from other businesses on their climb to the top, process hacks to save you time, and of course, a place for you to be yourself to think freely. I am your host, Laura Karifalakis, co-founder and creative director at So Should Go, here to help you bring magic and certainty into your events, as well as allowing businesses in the events industry to step into the business they deserve with support, confidence and purpose. Together, we can make a positive impact in the Australian events industry. Are you ready? It's time. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Social Go podcast. I'm your host, Laura Karafalakis, and I'm here today with my co-host, Emmanuel Anthony. And today we will be diving into how to overcome or manage stress of a big event when things don't go to plan. Emmanuel, what's happening? How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Um, my partner, Renee, is in Bali with her girlfriend, and they're having um, a wild fortnight of besties catching up and cocktails and massages and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm having a relaxing evening of um, golf and a lot of work and podcasts, and yeah, it's nice. I, I'm very, very relaxed. <laughs> Love it. Utilizing your time apart, that's great. Yes, 100%. Awesome. So for those who don't know, what's your field, your line of work, who are you? So I'm an inspirational speaker, researcher, writer, and consultant. Uh, I assist my clients to create results in all seven areas of their life, whether that's physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. The main area, majority of my clients will come in, although you know, working one-on-one and one-on-many group settings. Um, will be specific challenges, maybe overcoming a divorce, um, letting go of emotions from the past, setting goals that they want to speed up the results in. So it's, it's kind of vague. I do work with people in a lot of areas, but the easiest way to say it is if you have a massive challenge in your life or you have big goals and you want to achieve them today instead of a day, a week, a month, or a year from now, then that's when someone will get in contact with me. Love that. And I personally work for... So it works with Emmanuel. So if you feel like this appeals to you or you could work with Emmanuel, I highly suggest reaching out to him. But let's dive into today. So what have you got for us today, Emmanuel, with dealing with stress on events when things don't go to plan? Yeah, so we had a really great conversation just before this and um, it's such a multidimensional topic because if it's for an event, then there are things that you can do prior to equip yourself to be less stressed. There are things that you can do during an event to make sure that you're at the minimal amount of stress. And then there are things that you can do afterwards to make sure that you don't have fears and anxieties of what occurred at an event occurring again. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So um, I'm going to start off by defining the word stress. So stress mm-hmm. is the perception that something in the future not here and now, because even if it's here and now, we're imagining something happening in a, in a second, a moment, an hour or something like that from now. But the perception that something in the future is going to have more pain and pleasure, drawbacks and benefits, disservice and service. So if I said to you, I'm going to give you a million dollars in 20 seconds, I bet you wouldn't be stressed at all if you were serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if I said I'm going to take away all the money that you have and you were serious, then you perceive that to be stressful. So it's a mind game. It's something that we're doing within our minds and quite often related to stress will be anxiety or fears and phobias. It was the same names, really. Um, if it's likely, if it's just something that you're a little bit scared of, it'll be named as fear. When you start to get much more scared of that, then that's when it moves into an anxiety. And when you have extreme fear of something in the future, then that becomes a phobia. So what we're talking about here is perceptions of things in the future. Now, how do we work around that? Well, the first thing that we spoke about in our last podcast is you can't avoid working on yourself and working on your mind. 
Yeah. The people that, and I don't care what field it is, the people that have done phenomenal things and maintained a fantastic balance within their lives, because, you know, you can have a look at celebrities that have committed suicide or done things like that. And if you look at the seven areas of life, vocation, which is their career, they were doing amazing. Financial, mm-hmm. they were doing absolutely amazing, making above and beyond the norm um, mm-hmm. tenfold. But in terms of mental health and wellness, they won't. So if you've got a lot of money, you've got a lot of success, you've got a lot of people and drugs and sex and alcohol around you, but you don't have the ability to manage those areas, and that's, that's not the best formula. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've got a lot of their own. So kind of the same in everybody's life in these areas. So if you want to be highly successful, whether it's this industry or any industry as an entrepreneur, it really starts with yourself. I mean, that topic for our last podcast really went into that. So it's about making sure that you do a checkup from a neck up. That's what I like to call it. And invest a little bit of time every single week. One of the great things is when you first create a business model, it asks you, um, you know, what are the obstacles or what are the challenges that you're going to face? But after people have written that, sometimes they'll just get very... Um, you know, hands-on with, well, I'm going to do this and this to deal with it, but I don't deal with the mental stuff because mm-hmm. you may still have a fear of things occurring. So what I tell my clients to do in business, um, and I give this advice to CEOs and directors of quarter million, million dollar plus companies, I say, give me all of your biggest fears. What are the things that you're most scared of occurring in the future? I want to know what they are. And they write them down, maybe one, maybe 10, maybe 20. Whatever. Obviously, the more they write, the more fear and anxiety they're living in. But the less that they write, that doesn't mean that there's less. Sometimes you have one that's massive, but usually they're not as stressed. Once they write each and every one of those challenges, then I get them to explore that specific challenge and see the benefits and the drawbacks of it equally. So let's have a look at what's a challenge that you've had in your company Um, because you'd understand what people listening are going through. So give me a specific challenge, for example. So I'd be a liar if I said that nothing has ever gone wrong at an event. But I think um, one that really stands out to me is one event we did and a few things went wrong. And I think it's important for people to understand that some things are out of your control but it's how you rectify it and make it up to the client. You put what's gone wrong and make it right. And that could be a number of things. That doesn't mean you you need to give a refund or there's a number of ways you can make it right. So a few of the challenges we had, I I will admit, I I feel like I bit off more than I could chew and I gave a lot to the client where I was was kind of like a, a yes man, which... I'm not, which I, I don't really know why I was, but I, I was. I just tried to please the please the client. Uh, the cake also collapsed, which is a huge thing for a party. Uh, one of the I can imagine so. Um, yeah, so many parties. I was like, oh my god, the cake, and it's everyone wants to take the photos. And then here's the thing that you didn't bake it, you didn't make it. No, you you yeah. hired somebody externally that's a professional. That that's what they do day in and day yeah. out. And then it falls, and it's your fault, according to the client. You're the yeah. organizer, and the reality is, if you could hold that cake up, you would have held it up. <laughs> Absolutely, and and I think as a as a planner or a stylist or anyone helping coordinate a party, you take that ownership. So for me, that cake, while I didn't make it, it was still my responsibility to make this event as. Not, I'm not even going to say perfect because no event is perfect, but to just make it wonderful for the client. Then on top of that, a one supplier was late, so it kind of delayed things, and a few things were delayed, but the party started 10 minutes later, and it, all in all, it was a fantastic party, but obviously, and I stayed the whole time, which I was not meant to, to just make sure everything else went smoothly, and I put in the time and the work and make sure made sure that the, the guests were happy and everyone was catered for, and I guess just having a great time, but sometimes even when you put in that work and that extra work and you go above and beyond and even on top of that, some people just aren't happy with what you've done. So I can definitely go into those. They're great. Yeah, they're really great. Well, let's let's start off with the first one, equal exchange. So there's a common misconception a lot of this goes down to religion, give more than you take, and that's absolute bull. I don't recommend mm-hmm. that at all when I work with my clients because... Yeah. If, if I was, I think you and I discussed this, but if, if our friendship revolved around 
you applying that, which is you giving, 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 and I'm taking, taking, taking. And, you know, obviously, if you want to be even more of a perceived positive person under um, those set of guidelines, then you'd have to give as much as you could, and I'd take as much as I could. Eventually, you'd resent me. So it's not right. an equal exchange. I feel like I've got a, a man-child or a son, not a friend that's an equal adult where we contribute to each other's lives. The same with clients as well. Um, we want to have equal exchange, and equal exchange equals self-worth. But if we give too much, we minimize our worth because there's a comparison game. We compare ourselves to clients, and we put our clients up on a pedestal, and we minimize ourselves, and that paper an hour goes down. And every single human being has a paper hour that they consider to be equal. And everyone's different. So I could say to you, would you do that same job for $2.50 an hour? No. $4 an hour? No. $50 an hour? Knowing the the outcome or before? Well, yeah, for what you were actually doing there and everything that you... um, if it was involved in what you did. Now, I love this. You can hear, and so will the people listening to this, and you'll notice this as well. You notice how there was a pause in your voice, so I already knew that was going to be a no. Because Mm -hmm. when you hit, and I'm not going to do the whole show of that, (laughs) although it would be fun, but I can keep going. You hit a point where you go, yeah, and that has absolute certainty. So at that exchange point, your time, your services, and your services, people get that so misunderstood at times. They go, well, I'm paying you to be here for an hour. No, you're paying for my knowledge in the industry for X mm-hmm. amount of years um, in that hour. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you do not have equal exchange, anytime you work for less than what it is that you perceive that you're worth, you don't want to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you do your job, but the whole time you're thinking, I just want to get out of here. Um, you know, I'm not getting paid for this, and you're just resenting the situation in the client. Who are you selected to be that? And any time that you get paid above and beyond, sometimes you'll you'll go overboard because you don't feel that that's too much as well. So we just end up in these weird parallels of emotions. So the wise thing to find out for anybody you know listening to this is what's your equal exchange? Everyone's going to have a different equal exchange. Um, when I'm working with clients and I one on one, I wouldn't get out of bed for anything less than one thousand three hundred and fifty dollars per hour. Um, yeah. The amount of knowledge, time, energy, and effort that the hundreds of hours are going to monthly planning and education with my clients um, and advancing than the cost, I can't imagine doing anything less than that, so I won't. But for somebody else, $500 is their exchange. Now, once you hit that exchange rate, you're present, focused, inspired. It's a job that you love, and you're there. But that's one of the first challenges. Make sure you know what your equal exchange is. It doesn't mean it's better or worse if you're above or below anybody else. But what it does mean is that you have a clear and conscious understanding of how to be present in that moment and not resent somebody else or yourself. And also making sure that you know what you're giving. Now, your scenario was really interesting because if everything had worked out the way that it did, you wouldn't have done that um, compensation. But realistically, the equal exchange that you were looking for was the protection of your business and also keeping an eye on other aspects of what were going on, just to keep an eye on who else was there and what was, because it seemed that you'd hired some people that at that particular moment, for one reason or another, had performed below what they should have for the standard. Does that make sense? I wouldn't even say it was below. It, it, they did a great job. It, it, it was not below my standards, maybe the client. I mean, like the, but, the, the cake dropping and the yeah, coming oh, a little absolutely. bit late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so those aspects. So I yeah. perceive that you overcompensated in a way to kind of go, hold on a second, a few things have gone wrong here. I'm going to take the reins a little bit because mm-hmm. if, if I can't have this whole thing collapse on itself. Absolutely. Um, so I've got to supervise this. Um, and that's where you kind of became the parent figure because you felt like these guys are not equally having the same exchange level. So if they continue to do this, this can go from bad in the client's eyes to just worse. And, you know, you're going to have reviews and all that to deal with. Um, so it's thing that you did that in order to protect your business. So I can understand what the equal exchange was there in terms of that. But just being cautious of what the equal exchange is. Like if you and I, and we obviously do work together, one of the things I'd recommend for you after this is just write down all of the benefits, like 100 benefits that you got from those two things happening. Mm-hmm. The, the cake actually falling, and then the second part is that particular person coming late. And if you do that, you're going to find that every challenge that you think you're having in your business is actually an opportunity for growth. Absolutely. Yeah, and while and, I was even there, 
Um, for, for me, and I guess you know me well, if this was my child's meant and the cake collapsed, I would have put it on the floor and my kid would have had a cake smash because I know I would have had to spare to change your clothes in, in a bag somewhere. And I would have just turned it into a positive and got some cool shots with this falling cake with my child. Or I know my husband probably would have put my face in it and just made a whole complete joke out of it. So it's Well, well that's the great make, thing, though. That's what I was going to say. For you, it is. But for somebody else, it isn't. Absolutely. And that's a really amazing um, lesson for you to learn about the different clientele that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Because you're not... If you if you're your own clientele, you'd be the most satisfied person in the world. <laughs> but mm-hmm. your clientele is a diverse group of people. So if I look at the situation, I think it's really challenging you to step up into goodness, and not in yeah. the aspects that you control, but actually getting you to have a look at the aspects that you don't control and putting boundaries in and implementing situations within that. You know, some people that means putting legals. So the client scientist says, hey, look, suppliers work from job to job, and there is a variance of 10 to 15 minutes that can occur um, between jobs. Um, it's not something that we expect, but it's just to let you know that that happens sometimes if there's traffic or, um, you know, traffic jams or things that occur, accidents along the way. Um, but our intention is to be there early, um, and a worst-case scenario on time. So these are all things that I can see that if you went through and saw all the benefits, you'd end up with probably a list of 20 things that you could improve in your business and talking about the improving area. Then it's having a look at what can you control and what don't you control and then what can you do in the areas that you don't control to improve your service. And I think that is... Yeah, go on. No, absolutely. And on that note, for everyone listening, have your terms and conditions in place. If you do not have terms and conditions reach out to us today so we can get you sorted because you need that in place. You have yeah. to. Key, the conversation key aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And if the client hasn't read it, then, then you're able to pull that back up and say, look, equal exchange between you and I is that we have an agreement. You signed mm-hmm. this agreement, which we placed all of the ways in which we do business onto there. That's to let you know that we're aiming to have everything done prior. But when you're having multiple moving parts, I mean, you, look at, you can look at um, Vogue or you can look at, um, you know, Dolce & Gabbana. Some of the, when you look at the fashion runway shows, we're talking about huge multi-million dollar businesses. But there's, still, there's so many moving parts that at the last minute, they're still sewing up dresses and things in the background. So if they're doing that on a project that big and they've got moving parts and you're working on a small project but you've got multiple moving parts and cakes and decorations and everything else, then of course you're going to have similar challenges to what they do. So it's wise to have that conversation and put in writing and um, discuss that with the client as well and let them know what realistic expectations are. And that doesn't mean that the client is always going to be impressed um, because sometimes they're going to think, yeah, yeah, that's really great, but it'll probably run on time. But that comes back then to actually them being realistic about what they signed and understanding that, you know, you gave them that information prior. And then from there, you're just doing the best you can to communicate with the client. Some people just don't want to communicate with you just the way that it goes. Um, but usually those people are not people that you want to do business with for a long term. Um, Absolutely. And their, their expectation. And, and that brings up another point, knowing when to say yes and knowing when to say no. Um, mm. Quite often at the start of a business, people say to me, I'd say yes to everybody. I said, no, no, you don't. Cause especially in the day, the era of social media, one bad review can do just as much damage um, as having, you know, 10 good reviews because that one really counteracts it in terms of that. So, um, when I work with clients, I'm selective. I have a conversation with them, and one of the first things I say is, you're having a complimentary conversation with me to see how I operate and how I work, and if we really click together, because we're, I'm guaranteeing results. But we've got to make sure that you're willing to do all of the work, and you resonate, and you're trusting in what I have to say, and you're going to do what it is that I have to say, because I've got the exact steps to get the results that you want. So I'm having a look to see if you're the perfect client for me, and all the conditions apply, and vice versa. So this would go the same. Be selective on your clients. Doesn't mean that you're calling anybody good or bad, but you're just mm-hmm. you're looking at the way in which you operate and their expectations and the way in which what they want. You're making sure that those two align, and if they don't, refer them to somebody else. That's it. Yeah, and I think too many businesses think that they, I guess, owe the client or they have to mold themselves to. I guess see what the client needs, whereas if you stay true to yourself, you're going to attract the correct client. There's nothing wrong with um, adjusting your service by a, a little bit. I mean, I do it all the time. I've got specific packages that I have, and a client may come in and say, look, um, 
I love what you've got there. Here's the specific challenges I have. And I go, oh, yeah, we could definitely do that. But that's a mixture of free packages. So let me just readjust those free and make it specific for you. But in those cases, it's a minor adjustment that I know is in line with the service that I offer. So yeah. It's like they've awoken me to um, another way in which I can serve um, particular challenges. So if it's a slight adjustment, go ahead. But just be cautious when you're doing a major overhaul into something that isn't authentically you um, or is something that is not a realistic expectation and you're going to have a lot of challenges meeting that for the client. Uh, like you said, you know, you can do the best that you can. You can talk to all the moving parts and say, guys, get here half an hour early, et cetera. But, you know, you can't do anything about the major traffic jam that happens um, three hours before the party and clogs up one road of that particular person has to go down and there's only two lanes and you know police helicopters and everything going over the top so um, you understand that most rational people understand that but when a person's having their child's first birth and and they're making that the most important thing in the world um, they may not understand that so that brings us on to the next point Um, learn how to be a highly effective communicator Um, whether Mm -hmm. you get in touch with somebody like myself whether they get in touch with you and discuss situations and circumstances that occur listening to podcasts like this obviously going to help um, reading books like how to win friends and influence people um, which are talking about human behavior um, whenever I work with anybody in business the first thing I teach them is human behavior because you're going to be working with humans and if you know how they operate and work that transcends all ideals of business that's just the way that it goes um, you can't beat the DNA um, of where we come from so learn how to deal with highly challenging situations. If you're a business owner and you've come into this thinking that you're just going to be nice to everybody, you're not going to last very long. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you've got to have some balls. <laughs> it's just the truth. You've got to be able to deal with support and challenge, benefits and drawbacks, equal exchange, angry customers, and you've got to learn how to put out those spot fires. And the more that you deny doing that, the more you're going to attract people that are going to walk all over you. And the more that you learn how to actually deal with that, then the greater the probability that you're going to be able to turn situations like that into places where those people will still want to work with you in the future because you learn how to put the spot fire out and communicate. And we all know people like that. Like We all know people that they are so good at communicating, even when there's a major challenge, they have an ability to completely transform those challenges and still keep clientele. That makes sense? Yeah. They're just rock stars. So, and we're not saying that you're not going to have these. We, you and I can pretty much say we guarantee you're going to have at least one test client a year. <laughs> you just go, how did that go south? But you yeah, want to use that. One a year. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. One, one a year that just, and you and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, one that blows your mind in terms of unrealistic expectations, um, you know, the level of anger or aggression or misunderstandings, mm-hmm. not reading the legals, all of that, that they're going to be your best client that you have that yeah. year. And I'll tell you why. Whenever you start kicking a lot of goals in your business and you start doing really, really well in your perceptions, you relax. Start buying stuff. You start chilling out. You just let the system run itself. But whenever you think that you have major obstacles and challenges, you rip the whole business apart and have a look at every single part of it, just like a car that's just being redone. You look at every nut and bolt and everything and you put it back together as a masterpiece. Because you have a look at everything that you are doing inefficiently. So those clients really bring into your awareness even the minute and micro inefficiencies in your business. They're like a fantastic spring queen. And once you pass the anger of the situation, it's time to step up as a business and have a look. And that's why I said, write a write hundred benefits you got from that client, you know, um, of which you'll come up with ways in which they reveal that things are out of your control or you're not controlling enough or you haven't, um, you're not, you don't have the best suppliers or whatever it is yeah. until you really fine tune everything. And then you realize that that person was blessing in disguise. It's going to happen once a year to make it the, the best client that you have once a year. Does that make sense? Absolutely. For everyone listening, go back and listen to just that past that two minutes maybe. Listen to that when you have a a bad experience or it's not even bad, just a lesson. And, yeah. There you go, perfect. And, and learn from it and come up and rise from it and take everything you can from that situation to better yourself but also better your business because you know what? I would be lying if I told anyone that business perfect, it is a roller coaster every damn day. Not every week, every day. 
So you just got to learn. Every second, every minute, time. every hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of saying why me, say try me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Try me. Go ahead. Because the businesses that are doing the best in this industry, they're not the ones that have got it the easiest. They're the ones that take on the biggest challenges and mm-hmm. say, I will got a solution for that and we'll pay them the most. And they're taking those risks. They're, they're, they're taking them and that's why they're growing because they're, they're, they're having taking calculated risks. Yes. And then it's, calculated risks come from the, those particular clients that help right. them recalculate the risks that they're taking and then knuckle down, like you said. So if you're listening and you don't have your legal set, touch base with um, Laura right now, you know, or after the podcast, because that's why she said it. It's a calculated risk. And each one of these clients is giving you a recalculation on your risk. And the, the more the, I got in a situation once where a client, um, I used to be a graphic designer, and that particular client hired me to design a website uh, for a nightclub. And I'm really hands-on in communication with my clients. And with mm-hmm. that particular client, they, it was an owner, and he got me to work with two of the uh, managers there. I would right. send them an email after everything that I did that involved um, approval from them. And they mm-hmm. would get back to me in a week and a half. A month project, five months later, I was still getting base communication. Now, I'd start off with an email. If I didn't get through, I'd send a text message. If I didn't get through within a day, I'd send another text message. Then a phone call. I had a process. And I went through each one of those. And I'd get through to them about a week and a half later. They'd say, I'd think about it. And anyway, at the end of it, um, that particular owner sent me an email and got me in and tried to corner me and said, we've lost $100,000 because of you. And this website not going up. I said, it's not good for me. I said, I've got all my emails there that's electrically traced. And your staff members are doing, they're doing two different roles each. They're not even replying to me. They're overworked. I said, that's not my job. That's something within the business that needs to be arranged to whether you hire more staff members or not. But I can't get a response from them. I can't just create a website because I do all this work. And then if you say, no, I've done all these hours and I haven't been paid for it, I just want approvals. And it take them a couple of minutes or a conversation with you. And he said, well, let's take this to court. So I had my lawyer send an email. And that one email, um, I got a reply and said, oh, no, no, they were only bluffing. And that was done. That, now, that was fun. I'll see yeah. you in court. You will be hearing from my legal advisor. Well, not even that. He, he basically said, yep, we're going to it. This is how we're going to go. Let's, you want to play that game? All communications with me from now on. Any with Emmanuel would violate that, blah, blah, blah. So when he said that, I said, oh, we're not going to call it blah, 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 and all of this. And, and, and I learned, and I, I, I was just about to go to Thailand. So I had an amazing opportunity to reflect. Literally, the next day I was going on a plane. I went from being highly stressed being on the plane and just thinking about all the lessons that I got from that. And I just, mm-hmm. as I was in Thailand, I continued to think about it and really smile and appreciate the fact that that perceived $100,000 lesson, at the time I didn't have legals, taught me the importance of um, getting clients to sign legals and having an equal yeah. exchange between myself and the client. So I've saved over 100000 just from that one lesson. And I'm yeah. so grateful that it occurred because what if that had been 100000 in the future? Um, you know, I mean, 200000 or a quarter of a mil or something like that. Um, that really, really woke me up. So you're never going to get a challenge in the business that you can't solve. You perceive that you can't solve it, you can. It's just your level of growth and where you perceive that you currently are, but you've got it inside of you, I guarantee you. I work with clients day in and day out in all aspects of the business, and when we resolve a challenge, they go, oh, that's not as hard as I thought it was. And I go, so if I put you in that challenge again, yeah, that'd be really easy. I'd resolve it. I go, great, that's your new level of comfort. So you better be telling yourself, what's the level that I'm not comfortable with? How do I move to that and make that my level of comfort? Because whatever you're calling stressful now is not stressful to somebody that's been in the industry five or 10 years um, more than you. So raise yourself up to that level. You don't have to have the same amount of years as them, but put yourself in more and more challenging circumstances on a weekly basis and grow your own resilience. Don't wait five years to get it. Go out and get it today. But just keep Absolutely. going 5% outside of your comfort zone. And that's what I advise even you know businesses that are just starting so you know I've had a a cake maker she's a mum at home she's got a a what do you call them a credited kitchen like it's like a it's um, assessed by the council so it's it's legal basically to be making food out of it Um, and she didn't have terms and conditions and we spoke about it and she didn't quite understand why she needed to as a small business. And I'm like, do you want to grow your business to be, you know, bigger than 
you know, another business that's huge. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you start now. Start right now and you begin your business as you mean to go on. Don't think you're ever small enough to do things that are big and necessary within your business. Like start now as you mean to go on. Yeah, you expanded her vision. You gave her a bigger vision than where she was at. So she acted in accordance with um, steps that would move her in alignment for a faster projection towards um, the businesses that she was looking at. Yeah, because if you stay in that small mind, like small mindset, yeah, small yeah, mindset, small mindset, like small like steps, the tiny steps. Small, you're not. You're going to take little little options forward, like li- little tiny steps forward. Whereas if you're taking big strides, you you'll be amazed at where you can get in your business if you think and not just think, but act big. Like put yeah. them in to action now, so then in a year's time you can look back and go, wow, like. I did that. Like I was expecting to do this within two years or maybe three years and I did it in a year because I thought big and I had it in my mind what I was going to do and I and I did it. Like you, you just gotta you just gotta do it. Just go do it. And and play with the big guys. What have you got to lose? What I do with my clients all the time. Um, there's a common misconception that it takes time to overcome emotions. Um yeah. but emotions, whether it's fear, anxiety, all the things we're talking about now, or sadness, hurt or anything else. Um, all of those things are energy in motion, and there's a scientific formula for what an emotion is. And we also know that emotions occupy time and space in the mind and the body. For your emotions and your psychology, your thoughts and your perceptions. The more things that you have that are challenging you or fears that you have, um, the less you'll take action because you're just sitting there thinking and unable to get out of your head and feeling and unable to get out of your body. So when I work with um, you know, my high-end CEOs and directors that have got to make uh, decisions that are usually considered tough in very short periods of time, we have work where we dissolve emotions anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour for life and get them to be able to transition forward. And then I teach those clients how to do that. Now, on the lower level of thinking, for somebody that's been experiencing something for years and hasn't got a solution, that's not something that's capable of being done. But you've worked with me, and you know that we can do that in minutes and hours. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So... The higher you evolve, the easier that you solve complex challenges with less time and thinking because of the amount of resourcefulness and the ability to see both sides of the challenge equally um, within your mind. Like people get paid more the higher up they go. The lower down you go in the scale in terms of business, those challenges are too complex and we give people very minor small things to resolve. You don't get paid a large amount of money in society for doing small things or solving small problems. You get paid large amounts of money, even in any industry. The more complex the challenge that a person can solve, because if somebody else is looking for a solution for that, they've got to give somebody money to have that solved, the greater your ability to do that. And that goes on to the next section here, which is um, taking ownership and having mm-hmm. the tough conversations. Late suppliers, delays, all of those. You've got to pull people up. Um, and you've got to have those conversations. And if you're not willing to have those conversations and you're willing to let them go, then they're going to do it again, and they're not going to take you seriously. And that doesn't mean that you've got to whip them, if you've got a whip there, <laughs> um, you know, or cut them or anything like that. It's just having the conversation and understanding of um, why were you late, what occurred, what can we do in the future to make sure that that isn't the case. Um, are you overbooking your jobs for a weekend? I've got to know because I'm dealing with complaints afterwards, and you're not just when you do that. The impact from the client's perspective is that I am not a great organizer and everybody else that was there that was involved is also in that same category. So it's not just Mm -hmm. one business, but now you've taken five other businesses and make them look bad. Now, that wasn't your intention, but but it's me allowing you to know. So as a business owner, we can have an open and honest conversation. And from there, multiple things are going to happen. That person's going to step up or they're going to get emotional or this and that occurred and blah, blah, blah. But these are all just feedbacks to let you know. Is this a person that I want to be doing business with or strengthening your business processes? You're going to grow together or you're going to find somebody to replace them that is more efficient. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you could have a supplier that you use that they might just need a little bit more, let's say, managing. And just give them a few tips. Like, you know, get their... 10, 15 minutes earlier or just assess how long it takes you to set up, whether it's food or um, 
uh, styling prop or what, whatever it is and let them assess how long and I guess as you move up in the industry and you do more jobs and you get more experience and you work with the same suppliers you know how long it takes them to set up as well so you can kind of sometimes you've got to micromanage even though it's not your business you, there are aspects where you have to yeah and, and sometimes if they stuff up it stuff up your business so you have to yeah. do micromanage a little bit sometimes so that's where you're making those executive decisions in those moments yeah. and letting them know immediately so that they have the opportunity, you're also liberating them because you're giving them the opportunity to understand before it comes a major factor in a behavior. Yeah. Um, and, and there are different reasons. Sometimes it's the people, sometimes it's the culture. Um, my yeah. brother, for example, he runs on what um, I, we call Mauritian time. Um, we give we yeah. tell him that we're having yeah, a two o'clock birthday <laughs> and he comes at six o'clock. It's ridiculous, four hours later, he just rocks up. And we've finished dinner and everything, and he just kind of munches away and has a conversation for a few hours. We all have a bit of a giggle, but I just never understood it. So for him, it's it's the him thing. Because everyone else in our family's not my oh my father is as well. Usually, he can be a couple of hours late. He runs the mission time too. But then I've spoken to um, a friend of mine, Myron. We wanted uh, we used to him, a best friend of mine, CC, and I. We tried. We did one um, uh, what was it? A, a dinner together. And he ran on Indian time, which I never knew was a thing. Yes. <laughs> I, Cece and I were there at about 11, or oh, about midday or whatever it was. I think it was a lunch or whatever. I know we'll have, no, it was evening. So six, six, because I remember I went to the club afterwards. Um, so at six o'clock, um, when I was 25, I went and had, um, I was there. Cece was there. We didn't know each other as well. We were actually, we became friends, I think that night or around then. And then Myron rocks up like an hour, two hours later. <laughs> and we go, where were you? And he just, he just really blankly just goes, oh, curry time. I'll explain it in a second. And just sat down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell is curry time? I've never heard of this before. He goes, oh, I just walk up whenever I feel like it. It could be a couple of hours late. Love but that. sometimes it's just... He's that, he's like, that's what he wants to do and he's doing it. Yeah, so that's what he just was. He was just disorganized. He just kind of did things. So he woke up and did things as he wanted. And her and I, we, we, we were like, well, if you say 11, we'll be there a little bit earlier, especially right. CC. I love her. She'd be there 20 minutes earlier with a cocktail in hand, just ready and loosening up for the evening. Mm-hmm. But, um, but her and I became really good friends after that. We kicked him out. We just started once every couple of months after that. Her and I actually ended up having um, dinners, these really cool conversations, and we'd go back and forth. So yeah, that was a real benefit for us because we kicked him out and said he's never going to rock us, but we will. But anyway, going back to the point where we were in terms of that, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a cultural thing. Well, whatever it is, if they're running a business and you've got to hold each person accountable because they're a reflection of your business and you guys are co-working together. And that's where a lot of people say, I don't want to fire somebody or not have them be there. You can only give somebody a certain amount of leniency before it really turns around on you and gets ugly. Um, Because every client that you have that you frustrate, you're not just losing one client, you could be losing two. Absolutely. You could be losing a lifetime clientele because if you look at what you guys are doing in the industry, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, if you had a birthday or something, you just had a birthday. Your parents maybe made some food, had some uncles and aunties over, and that was it. But today in the era of social media, I've seen one-year-old birthdays. Um, I once hired out the whole of the lumber for my, um, 20, no, my 29th birthday. Had like 250 people on the guest list, had um, all kinds of crazy things there that I booked. I'm looking at one-year-old birthdays that have as much complexity mm-hmm. as the organization that I had. <laughs> I can tell you this. that some people have spent more on a christening or a first birthday, or sometimes they do it joint, than I did on my wedding. And, you know, kudos yeah. to got the budget, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, look, I, I, but that's what we're in now. That's, that's the era that we're in. This is the fashion, as my dad would say. <laughs> this is the yeah. trend um, in terms of that, which is great for you guys because I see this is a booming business now. Um, people want the wooden stall and a, maybe a bohemian look and they're willing to deck mm-hmm. out their whole backyard with really nice wide and get everybody. It's, it's beautiful. It's, a, it's an amazing way to celebrate. You're going to get beautiful photos, especially now with 4K photography and everything. Um, it's not going to be these old black and white photos. Your children are going to be able to see these high def. I'm sure they'll have better, but in the future, but these high definition images of them um, and everything like that. But if you're getting them on, you know, like you said, a wedding and you nail it, and they like you, then you're probably going to get their birth and then 
the first birthday and then the birthday's after that because you're just the person that they call for that. Does that make absolutely. sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're... You are the headache get a get a rid of her. It's not a word, but I just made it up. <laughs> They've got a headache about thinking about all of the shit that would be involved. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, so I just didn't have to point that out. All the crap that's involved within I could organize this and that and blah blah blah, and you put all that together. So you are the reason they don't have a headache. You're the reason they can have a glass of wine and just say yes, maybe, no, can you change that? And then get back to spending time with their children. So if you understand that, then you've got to have those tough conversations. And if you're not willing to, your business is going to suffer. Absolutely. So you're, and the truth is the people that you're having those tough conversations with, you're actually liberating them because you're giving them an opportunity to grow and you're reflecting the areas in their businesses where they've got certain challenges. Being late is one of them, but you know the cake falling, for example, that may be one when we get a conversation and say, look, the quality of that cake wasn't where it needed to be. Um, and that was a real challenge. So what's the conversation that we have now? I'm not saying that you're not a great cake maker, but a cake falling is a big thing um, for a lot of clients um, because it's, it's the, the masterpiece in a lot of cases. Absolutely. It's the thing it's that they really look forward center, to. center of the party, you know, and you eat yeah. cake blown out the candles. You want that cake looking nice. You want that. Yeah, they want that cake. Yeah. And you go, look, you know, like you said, I would have been fine with it if that happened to my kids. I know you. I know you put your heart and soul into this. But that cake is a structure. If that was a building that you made and it fell down, we'd have a pretty mm-hmm. good conversation about um, your, the amount of work that you put in and the competency and the professionalism. Well, I'm having that conversation with you now. And it doesn't mean that I'm calling you um, average because you've done 10 other cakes before and they've been beyond, above and beyond. But what was it about this cake? What is it that we could learn from this for the future? And obviously, if multiple cakes fall, then we may need to replace that person. But in that meantime, there's no need for it. It's just having that conversation to make sure that you're coming back stronger and more efficiently. And look, basketball teams do that. Sports teams do it all the time. You have a loss, what do you do? You you have a look, you go back to the drawing board, you have a look at the weaknesses and you strengthen them. Why wouldn't you do that in a business? Uh, absolutely. And key point, you are still human, whether in your business or out your business. You will have bad days. It is how you rectify and move on and move up from the situation. Or forward. Uh, not backwards. Forward. Yeah, that's it. And don't just sit there and go, nah, it's not my fault. I'm not to blame and just move forward and try the best you can to explain to the client. Sometimes you're not going to get through and they're going to kick and scream and everything's going to be your fault and they're not going to understand and they're going to want a refund, but you get your, life, your ducks in order and dot your eyes, cross your teeth, Look at everything, look at the whole thing as a, you know, the whole event together and look at what you've done wrong and how you can rectify it and then move forward. And that's the best you can do. If you're doing everything that we're talking about in this podcast, you're going to have less and less of those clients. Like if you're having realistic conversations from the start and legals that clearly demonstrate and display that and you're communicating that, that's going to get rid of a whole bunch of people that would already have that because they're going to ask the question, what if this happens? You're saying my cake could be late. Yes, I am saying that could occur. Um, we've had that occur in 10% in um, our figures. So 90% of the time we're on par, but you're asking for 17 different people to come together to work um, and make this occur, of which are also working on other things um, during that day. You're the first in line. So the chances of that occurring are probably 5%, to be honest with you, but I've always got to factor that in to be realistic here um, because I want to make sure I'm giving you what's real and ideal, not... Um, a facade, you deserve more than that. So if you're doing that, you're going you're gonna to filter those people out. If you're learning from each and every one of these individual challenges, then you're already going to be implementing systems and things in place that are going to make sure that it's running more efficiently every week that you're in your business and every month and every year. Um, and if you're growing in terms of your strength and your certainty as a business owner, that's going to help um, in terms of dealing with the challenges as they occur as well. And that leads to our new, the next point, which is what you said before, and you've said it over and over again, you're not going to run a perfect event. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Um, I'm a I'm an avid golfer. Play 100 holes a week, and um, I've got an idea in my head of the perfect game that I could play. Never played it. Mm-hmm. Been doing this for about eight months. Never played the perfect game. Even I know my skill levels moving up. But what I do is I just want to be as close to that as possible. And then when I finish playing, I've got apps that have a look at all of the things that I did. So as a business owner, the great thing that you can do after you finish an event. Um, pull up a glass of your favorite Pinot Noir or have a coffee or something like that, sit down, put some relaxing music on, and maybe just write down five things that you did really well and then five things that you could have done better. 
Absolutely. And have a look at Don't beat yourself up. Don't put yourself in a negative space. Don't put yourself down. Don't doubt yourself as a person. Just write them down. Like, what can improve? Of the situation. Yeah. Don't call them positives and negatives because those words will lie to you. So everything you write is a positive or that's just negative. Everything you write is negative as it's positive. So just write five things you did well and five things that you could improve. Um, improve totally yeah. different connotations. Because the five things that you did well, you can pat yourself on the back and say great, but let's not rest mm-hmm. on that. Let's, let's aim to grow and evolve because for every second that you're relaxing, there's somebody else hungrier than you in that industry that's posting more than you, communicating more than you, mm-hmm. doing doing better deals than what you're doing, um, you know, uh, going out to more events or something like that. So be cautious to sit back, relax, and think that you've got it. I don't recommend that in business. Business is a predator-prey environment, just like every other ecosystem on planet Earth. And therefore, the bigger you are, the bigger the target is on your back. Absolutely. And can I just say as well, you don't have to just do this for events that go wrong. You could sit back, well, you should sit back on an event that goes great and the client is satisfied, but how can you still improve what you you know produce for the client? That'll put you into the 1%. That will put you into the uh, – my top clients, when they work with me and they come in and they get – because it's pride before the fall. They get cocky and arrogant. I killed it this week, Emmanuel. I did this, this, and that. I said, you have a major challenge coming your way that you're not prepared for because you're building yourself up. Something's going to happen. And you're going to rip yourself down. So we look at all the things that I think they did really well, and I said, what were the drawbacks of all of those? And we just keep going down until we humble them and they go, you know what? before I was getting cocky and arrogant and ready to eat junk food and get pissed on the weekend and just party and all of this. And now I'm actually much more centered. And instead of just throwing money away, I'm inspired by the areas I'm going to grow. I'm going to take a little bit of time off. I'm not going to go in excess, um, over-promoting myself and getting cocky. And then they said, you know what the funny thing is? When I get cocky, other people bring me down because they feel that energy and nobody wants to be around somebody that's exaggerating themselves and minimizing others. And I found the same thing once again. With my golf game. When I get cocky and arrogant, I forget to do things. I forget to check my boxes. I just walk in thinking that I know it all and all the little things that I would normally do um, that would allow me to hit the perfect shot in that situation or as close to, all of a sudden I smash the ball completely over the green or something and now I'm a, a hole that would have taken four strokes takes 10 and now my whole game's off and I do that for five or six holes and I'm way out, um, whereas when I'm doing well, it isn't. So I noticed that I, I play a lot of sport, and I think sport and business is the same thing, very competitive areas. Deep focus comes from looking at both sides and being centered, but you won't be centered if you're exaggerating yourself or the business. And when you exaggerate yourself or the business, you don't look at the little areas. Once again, you do that when you feel that everything's gone wrong and you pull it apart. You want a little bit of both at all times. So, yes, if you think you did an event well, still um, do your five benefits. What do we do extremely well? But then do what we have improved on. And you'll always find that it's there unless you're just really... The only time you won't find it is if you're really exaggerating yourself. And that's just something yeah. that you're doing. I love that. So we've basically like touched on homework there. So be writing down what you what didn't go yeah. well, what could go better, how you can improve. Well, let's um, do a couple of things. First off, write down all else? of the challenges. Yeah, write down all the challenges that you have now because fears are perceptions of the future. So if you have things that you're fearful of or challenges that you're scared of taking on in the future, write down all of those. And then I would write I would write down the seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. And in those, just write five benefits in each of those areas to you as well as others, your family, friends, those that you care about, so five for you, five for them. So 10 times 7 equals 70 answers. I know a lot of people go, oh my God, it's a lot of answers. But if you do this, I guarantee you those fears will dissolve and that will give you more time, energy, and focus in your business because everything that you fear, you're taking time away from the business to focus on that fear. But if you do that, you'll start to come up with solutions as well for each one of those challenges. So say, for example, what you said, oh, and a client not liking my work. If you write all the benefits in all those areas of a client not liking your work, you get to a point where you realize, oh, crap. That's going to help me grow, understand their expectations, understand mine, push me to work harder, blah, blah, blah. And the time you get through all of those, you'll be grateful for that circumstance happening. Don't try and run away from things that are guaranteed to occur within um, the ecosystem. Find liking and not liking your work, that's guaranteed to occur. Find out how to grow from that and make more money from it. Um, clients being satisfied and not satisfied, people coming late, um, people paying late, all of those things are going to occur. Find the benefits in them so you can grow from them. Fall forwards, not backwards. So that's the first part. 
And the second one is after you've completed a job, have your Pinot Noir, not too much because you won't be able to do the exercise, but <laughs> have your, sit down, relax, have a private little space so with yourself or if you want to involve your staff members with you, feel free to do that as well if you do. And then come up with five things that you did really well, pat yourselves on the back, and then that's going to build up your pride, but then to humble you so you're not exaggerating yourself, have a look at five things that you, five challenges or things that you could have improved on, and then go look at those areas that you want to improve and set systems and things in order so that every single job, you're just growing your efficiency and your certainty and your confidence. And as you do all of those, that will move over towards the clients and the clients will be able to experience and feel that and they'll be able to go, wow, not only is this person amazing at what they do, but they can pre-predict things that occur and they're a strong, solid person to do business with. Love it. Amazing. I, I don't think there is anyone in the events industry or anyone in business actually that could not take from this today. That if, if you're serving clients, then you can take a lot from this podcast today. And, you know, this is why we give you homework and this is why I ask Emmanuel to put some stuff together, some tools together that you can implement. We don't want you to listen and then walk away with the knowledge. Uh, you know, it could go in and out in one ear, out the other, or you could retain the information. We prefer you to go away with the tools and implement it into your business, into your life, because this you could do, you know, in your daily life as well. Like, this doesn't need to be yeah. just your your business. Like, you could do this in life. And I, I can tell you from my own experience, if you do this, it's life-changing. I can tell you right now. It, yeah. is, it will change your life and every and, and your family that are around you too. Like, because you'll be giving them the best version of you. Yeah. So, you get to check yeah. up from the neck up and you yeah, clear your mind from the neck up. up. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> if you do that in your own head, you can be present with us. I'll leave you with this note um, in terms of that. Whenever I work with clients, especially mothers and fathers and things, I say, I've got an order and it's going to completely disrupt the order of what society has. Society says your children first, maybe your partner second and you last. And I said, the only thing you're going to get then is a whole bunch of resentment because you mm-hmm. lose your authenticity and who you are and forget who you are. And then, you know, if you put a lot into your children and their school and education and everything, and then they decide to do nothing with school and go their own path and leave the home and discover it, what do you feel like? They use you. <laughs> what was all of that mm-hmm. about? Does that make sense? So I've seen this in too many circumstances and events. And I say, here's the new order that I bring, and I've been bringing this, um, call it a new world order <laughs> that I'm bringing in, for you conspiracy theory people. Um, you are number one. Your partnership and your relationship is number two, and your children are number three. And here's why. If you do not resolve the things that are going on in your mind, you're not present with others. So mm-hmm. your children, your so-called, the ones that you supposedly want to put first, you're not going to give them 100% of you because you're going to have all of this background noise in your head. You'll probably give them 20, 30, or 40%. Whatever you've got left is what they get. And the number one thing that people want before they pass away is presence and love in the moment with their family. They wanted to have as much of that as possible. True? Absolutely. So, so deal with your stuff. And if you deal with your stuff, you then have 100% presence. Work on the relationship second because the foundations that allowed you to have children were the, was the relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you make sure you have a strong relationship, then the household can be managed by two strong people. You've got a partner, yeah. it's not just you, and both of you have to share that workload. But if you put the children first and your partner second and you third and you've, you've got a lot of mental stuff, we've all gone through times in our life where we've got so much stuff going on in our heads. We just want to kick everybody out or be in the room by ourselves or they're talking to us and we're not present. The kids will say, Mom, and you go, huh? Oh, yes, dear, but you're not really listening. Mm-hmm. You're just giving them whatever you've got left. You're, you're running on fumes. Um, but if you give the relationship a chance, then that actually brings on the third thing. There's too many, and we're going to have a topic on this, the dissolving the supermum myth, which could also be the super dad myth. You have to be there for your children all of the time. You better be there for them sometimes. And other times, let them go out and discover the world. If you over-smother your children, they turn into little shits. They'll expect everything from you. They'll be 50 or 30 or 40 living at home, not knowing how to cook, not knowing how to take on the challenges of the world, completely scared because they, you did everything for them. You smothered them. If you're not there enough, they'll just want to um, leave you or you over-challenge them. Um, and they'll just want to get out of there. So you want a nice balance of both where you're guiding them through life because you're raising adults 
but you step away enough that they get to learn how to create their own independence and learn how to overcome their own challenges. You only get self-worth when you do things yourself. So if you're always stepping in, in the time that you're being of benefit and serving your children, you're also robbing them of self-worth and accountability. Both of those occur at the same time. So when you work on yourself, you can give your partner and your children 100% of your presence. When you work on the relationship and make sure it's a strong foundation, you have two people that are very dedicated and can give 100% of their time and presence to that and raising the children. Okay. And when you step away from the children and give them the last bit of your attention, because you're going to give them everything anyway, your house and everything else, they get a chance to grow, but then the times when they're with you, they get 100% presence instead of you being all the time there with only 30% of your presence. And when you're 100% present, yes, go on. Yeah. No, I um, no, I just wanted to say I 100% agree with what you're saying. And we've never even spoken about this before, but I put myself, not all the time, but I try to put myself first. And, um, and I will admit, because I learned the hard way, that my husband does come first because my kids are better off with me and their dad together and we're better together, stronger, and their life is way better um, and full of love if we are together and stronger. And the foundations are made out of love. Absolutely. The foundations are. Yeah. The and if I don't love that. him, they're not going to feel that love. And yeah. I hope in 50, 60, 70 years that they can look back and go, oh, my mom and dad are so in love. Like that, that's, that's my goal right now. Even, even greater than that, they'll be able to see because you're still freaking be yeah. together by the time yeah. they leave the house. The opposite of that is the model that people have been running now. And when the kids leave, they leave because they never spent any time together. Yeah. They, they didn't do anything. They put the kids first. And then now they're just looking at each other like, okay, what about us? What do we do? We don't even know each other anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then only that, sometimes they, that's, that's a topic that I'll be discussing on Facebook, which is uh, the different stages of a relationship, including divorce and breakup. Um, sometimes people even stay together until the children leave, completely resenting each other, thinking that they fooled the children into feeling that there was a family dynamics, but really the children understood that the parents were completely not present with each other. And then when they get divorced later, they're like, we knew it anyway, because they were just pretending the whole frigging time. So you weren't fooling anybody in that. Um, and uh, you wasted a period of your life. that You could have actually been either working on the relationship, being clear and congruent, helping the children grow and evolve through that as well, and being realistic. So if you work in that order, you give everybody presents because That's you've got to use yeah. your job to manage yourself. If you manage yeah. yourself to a high degree, you can give love to everybody very easily. But I guarantee if you do it the other way, that's mm. not the purpose of life. You're, as a mum, you are equal to every person in the household and you're deserving of assisting them to get what they most love and desire. And you want that. You want them to reach their dreams. But right. you're also equal of doing that yourself. And your kids are going to learn from your inspiration or desperation. They will look at you and go, well, she was a sad case, constantly mm -hmm. complaining and whinging and unsatisfied. I don't want to be like that. So they'll learn from your desperation or inspiration. Yeah. They'll say, yeah, she was great. Sometimes you wanted her to be there. And she said, no, you can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. But I'm going to go get a, a pedicure and a manicure because I've been with you guys all week and I need some me time. And then yeah. we discovered that we could do things ourselves as kids and we really grew um, but then we also saw her give herself permission. So then your daughters will go, well, we can do that. We don't have to be this old school model that sacrifices mm -hmm. everything and hates the world and blah, blah, blah. So, so run that model. Run that I model. We, uh, we just created a whole new topic right there. I'm going to add that to the list. I think we can tie into that easily. I think that was our next one, dissolving the Superman myth. Yes, that's right. Uh, you kind of said that's going to be a great one. Into, do not miss out on the next episode that we have um, coming up, which is what did we call it again, Emmanuel? Dissolving the Superman myth. We're going to be, uh, if you think that you have to be always there, never mean, never angry, always the house has to be spotless, the children have to be perfect. Stop cleaning, girl. All, all of that. Stop cleaning. <laughs> We're going to knock that down. We're going to knock that yeah. whole thing down and show you that you are authentically a loving, grateful, appreciative, beautiful mother or father. Um, yeah. Regardless of really listen, stepfather, stepmother, we're going to show you that whoever and how you raise your children has a divine perfection in it, and that you want to honor that and be grateful for that, and you want to give yourself permission to love and appreciate you and achieve your goals mm -hmm. as well as assisting your family to do theirs. So if that Actually, resonates think, with I you, I think we're going to let's rename that. Let's do the whole parent myth because you know there's yeah. dads out there that are doing it. They're doing it by themselves. I'll be a dad too. It's not just yeah, let's do it. it. <laughs> there's some heavy 
you know, uh, weight on dad's shoulders as well and what they call themselves. So, you know what? We're going to rename that. We're going to call that parent myth and we, we're going to, yeah, tune Resolving in. the parent myth. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's give you the truth about parenting in the, uh, in the year 2000 and give you permission to do it and honor it in the way that you do. Uh, yeah. There's so many different parenting styles, but there are a few fundamentals um, within all of those styles that if you understand and appreciate, you can increase authenticity and love within the family dynamic. Absolutely. So if you are a parent or even if you are going to be a parent, whether you're, you know, you don't even have to be pregnant, you don't even have to be a partner, listen to the next podcast we have in store. Um, and yeah, it just takes the learnings that we're about to provide. But Emmanuel, pleasure as always. Thank you to everyone who's listened today. We don't charge for these podcasts but we just simply ask for you to share it with a friend. If you would like to reach out to Emmanuel personally, where can they reach you? 1-300-792-552 or you can email me um, at info at emmanuelassen.com.au and in one of those platforms, feel free to touch base. Let me know that you came through and uh, you listened to the podcast and your thoughts as well, as well as any challenges or areas that you'd like to work on. Um, we give complimentary 20-minute conversations, um, and that's just my way of saying, well, we don't know if we're a perfect fit, but let's have a 20-minute conversation, and yeah. I can let you know how we can work together, and we can both make that decision mutually. Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys out there, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast as well. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys, you have a fantastic day. Make sure if this appeals to you, if it resonated with you, listen to it again, write down your notes, and do your homework. All right, thanks, guys. Until next time, have a great day. Ciao. Thanks, bye. Catch you next time on Go Podcast. Please don't forget to favorite us on Spotify so you receive weekly updates for every episode that we release on the Go Podcast.